Welcome to Topsail Insider's Wilmington Series, where we spotlight the local businesses and events that create the rich culture, diverse communities, and dynamic experiences and make Wilmington, North Carolina, a lively coastal hub. Coming up, join me for an interview with the co-owner of one of my favorite spots in Wilmington, Cape Fearless Extreme. Mr. Ron England will tell us about their wonderful aerial adventures in the trees with ropes and zip lining, or you can battle it out in their outdoor paintball facility. Here we go. Experience a new level of luxury on Topsail Island at Saltwater Suites in Surf City, North Carolina. With no nightly minimum, you can enjoy short getaways or an extended stay. Each suite features luxury bedding, full kitchens with dining tables and dishwashers. And all suites other than the 380A suites have full-size washers and dryers. And don't forget about those beautiful ocean views. 24-7 self-check-in provides a hassle-free and seamless experience. Saltwater Suites is the perfect choice for your next beach getaway. Book your next topsail visit at saltwatertopsail.com or call 910-886-4818. Saltwater Suites, Topsail Island's premier luxury hospitality experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Topsail Insider's brand new Wilmington series. My name is Krista, and I am your host. Today, for my very first interview for Wilmington, I am interviewing Mr. Ron England. He is the co-owner of Cape Fearless Extreme Aerial Adventures and Paintball Park. It's really just one of my most favorite places in the Wilmington area. Me and the kids went, and we absolutely loved it. It's actually in Regalwood, to be exact. So welcome, Ron. Thank you so much for joining me and being my very first podcast for Wilmington. Thanks for having me here. It's an honor to be the first Wilmington area business included. I could not think of a better one. It's an exciting adventure park, and I really want to highlight it. For people who don't know what Cape Fearless Extreme is, just put it in a nutshell form so we all know what we're talking about here. Cape Fearless Extreme is an aerial adventure park. Uh, Lots of people have seen shows like uh, American Ninja so it's a it's a park based on things like that where there's a lot of midair obstacles, zip lines, cargo nets, swinging bridges, but everything is built outside. So it's a lot of all the fun stuff you used to do as a kid, but with very little risk because of our safety systems. Yes. Uh, we also offer paintball in the woods. You know, there is a, a a couple of places in the general area, one in Wilmington where you get to play paintball inside, but most people prefer to play paintball out in the woods and Dress up in the camo and yeah. play war games. War games, exactly. Exactly, right? <laughs> Run around in the woods and act crazy like everybody did when they were a kid. And then part of our aerial adventure, we have a couple of different packages that we'll talk about as we get further along. Okay. But one of the things that we have that's that's kind of unique to us is we have a kids course that is built exclusively for kids. No adults on it at all. Okay. What is the age group for those for the kids course? Uh, for the kids course, it's ages seven to eleven. Okay. Usually we say seven to ten, but every once in a while somebody gets a, a kind of a timid ten year old or eleven year old, and or they have a younger brother who younger sister who's going up on the course and they want to do it with them. But that course is built exclusively for children. We don't let adults up on the course unless their kids are the only ones out on it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise. Adults have a tendency to ruin the experience for kids. You know, they <laughs> want to do too much of of the uh, the clicking for them and give them too much advice on how to do the different you know elements. And it really is experiential education. Yeah. So it's good for them to kind of figure it out on their own. For the aerial adventures that are for the adults, they can go up at 10 or 11 years old? They can go up at 10 years old, but they have to have an overhead reach of 5 feet, 11 inches. And a lot of people see that, you know, on the website, 5 feet, 11 inches. Oh, my kid's not that tall. That's mm-hmm. That's not their height. That's their overhead reach. So Mm -hmm. toes and nose up against a wall, reach overhead without tippy toeing as high as they can. And wherever that top finger reaches, if it reaches five foot 11 inches, they are tall enough to go out on our course. And And there's a weight limit at all? There's really not a weight limit. So we say 275 because that's what fits in the the harness comfortably. Mm -hmm. Our zip lines, especially in our lifelines, they are rated. I mean, you could hang school buses off of them. And we Mm -hmm. tell people all the time. You'll pull the trees out of the ground before you'll break the lifeline. 
I know there were some courses up in the mountains where you had to be at least 80 pounds. And I know that my 11-year-old probably wouldn't hit that mark. So is there a weight minimum? We don't have a weight minimum. Our uh, zip lines especially are are constructed a little differently than they do in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the ones out in the mountains where you're, you're going longer distances or you're at a greater height, they have a braking system where our zip lines are designed so that they're gravity braking, which means they kind of have like a little belly build into them. So oh, yeah. uh, as you start to go build up speed going downhill, you hit that belly and then you start to go yes. uphill, La- which oh, slows okay. you down. Now, sometimes we have we have people who don't make it all the way to the end, mm-hmm. but it's a simple grab onto the zip line and hand over hand, pull yourself Pull in. yourself out of it. Got yeah. it. How long has Cape Fearless been in business? So we just finished our sixth summer, so our fifth year. We opened, we did a soft opening uh, five years ago in April and had a grand opening in, in the middle of June. So we just finished up our, our sixth summer. Did it take right off or you had to slowly build up your publicity? It didn't take right off. It it takes, a you know, Wilmington area especially is very much a word of mouth city. Mm-hmm. So you've got to spread word of mouth around. We tried a lot of different advertising methods, radio ads, print ads, ads mm-hmm. in, you know, magazines and newspaper, sure. billboards. Uh, we found that we get most of our traction from social media. We're currently running TV commercials, some short TV commercials on mm-hmm. on the WECT okay. uh, a couple times a month to help get the word out. But mostly, uh, most of our business comes through the social social media, media and mm-hmm. fa- Facebook, especially. Yeah, that makes sense. I've seen you. I've seen the ads on Facebook. Actually, that's good. That means it's working. Then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I messed up the name Cape Fear and then Cape Fearless. Uh, so since I messed that up, I just really love the name that you referenced our beautiful Cape Fear River down here. So I just wanted to know who came up with that really cool name. Was that you? Do you get credit for that? or you? No, that was entirely uh, uh, my partner, Christopher Sherry, my business partner, oh, okay. Christopher Sherry. When we first came up with the idea of what we were going to do down here, we were kicking around, we were sitting around kicking around names. And um, Chris and his girlfriend at the time, who's now his wife, and my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, mm-hmm. you know, we were all just coming up with all different names. And, and Chris is the one who came up with Cape Fearless Extreme. And, and that really stuck. Yeah, it works you know, well. We, we wanted to we wanted to add the extreme part in because what we, you know, we do try to make it so that the course is family friendly, but our last element, especially on our adult course, mm-hmm. it's on the extreme shot. Is so, it really? Yeah, it's uh, probably about 25% of the people who start out at the, the beginning of the, of the adult course mm-hmm. finish it. It's tough. Uh, especially during the summer, you know, you're already hot, you're sweaty, yeah. you're looking up at this last course and you're like, nah. Now I'm out. <laughs> I'm tapping out. Oh no. But it's funny because we've, um, you know, we get, we get all ages, we get all demographics, you know, mm-hmm. we get everyone from 10 year olds to people in their seventies, you know, people who are office people, athletes. We get a lot of military from Camp Lejeune and Fort Bragg. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a... Fort Bragg alumni, yeah, so I'll never go. use the new name. But thank you for the service, by the way. <laughs> it was a it was my pleasure to serve. Uh, so we get a lot of a lot of military as well, mm-hmm. and um, well, they must love it. They do. They have a they have a great time out there. But but even even those folks, not everybody makes it through black. What? Absolutely. All right. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to try it now. <laughs> you know, uh, we've we've seen people in their sixties and early seventies make it through black, and then. You have some folks who go out there and you look at them like, and they, these folks got to be gym rats. They're going to sail through this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they take the longest. It, it's it just, just a height thing? It's it's a height thing, I think, and a, a concentrating on the task at hand. Mm-hmm. And um, you, the height is all just perceived risk because all of our lifelines are overhead. So once you clip into the lifeline, you're good if go. you were to lose your mind and jump off the platform, you're going to fall about six inches, mm-hmm. no matter where you are on the course. So each course gets a little... Higher off the ground a little bit, and the elements get a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. But the height really doesn't come into play, but it it does for people's perception of the yeah, risk. It's a psychological right. thing that happens. Okay, let's talk about you, Ron. Where are you from originally, and how did you get interested in aerial adventures? I'm originally from the Philadelphia area. I uh, grew up in Philadelphia, left home, went in the Army. Got stationed at Fort Bragg. For how many years? Uh, I'm sorry. I was 10 years at Fort Bragg. And uh, I was a paratrooper with, with the 82nd Airborne. You got no fear of heights. <laughs> uh, you know, when you're standing in the door of an aircraft looking down at everything that looks really, really tiny, yeah. everybody's afraid of heights. <laughs> uh, but they spend a lot of time in jump school working on trusting your equipment, right? So same thing with our equipment, right? Once yeah. you learn how to trust your equipment, you, you, you put a lot of faith in it. So- 
got out of the military, moved back up to the Pennsylvania area, moved up into the Pocono Mountains area of Pennsylvania because the, the Philadelphia area is way too crowded. I had never moved back to Philly after after I left. Go back to visit sometimes, but just way too crowded. Yep, family so was, still there. Have family still there. Mm-hmm. Moved up into the Pocono Mountains area and eventually start working for a very large resort mm-hmm. in the Poconos. Uh, very large, like they sit on 5,500 acres of their own zip code. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the, the resort itself is 10 square miles uh, and it's a very old resort, opened up in 1928. Open year round, uh-huh. they have their own ski slopes. They've got okay. lakes. So I started working for them as a ski patroller. You know, I was a combat medic in the army. So I started ski patrolling for them and I would spend all day skiing. And it was great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, then towards the end of the season, the general manager said, hey, we're looking for somebody to kind of oversee the aquatics program if you want to stick around. I said, yeah, that sounds great. So I would spend, I spent three or four years going from hanging out at the lakes in the pool in the summertime and skiing in the wintertime and going back to the pool in the summertime. And it was great. You know, and I eventually- That sounds wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. But eventually (laughs) I got bored with it and I decided I was going to leave and try to do something else. And Mm -hmm. the GM talked to me. So what do you want to do? I said, you know, I'd really like to get involved in adventure sports somewhere. That's kind of where my heart is. I'm I work as a whitewater guide. I, I train whitewater guides, you know. And Where was that? I, that was in uh, on the Lehigh River in uh, northeastern PA. So I was working part-time as a as a whitewater guide and it's it's um not rip roaring class 5 rapids, but it's, you know, twos and threes. So mm-hmm. it's it's a good family river. So he said, "Well, why don't you put together some ideas and we'll we'll start an adventure program here." He really wanted to keep you there. <laughs> uh, it was, I think it was more that at that time, the Poconos was becoming a place for the newlyweds and the nearly dead, you know, <laughs> so they were losing, they were losing that family element, you know, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the resort had some great things, right? They had skiing, they had swimming lakes, they had fly fishing and sports shooting, but they really didn't have anything going on for that, like teenager, early twenties, late twenties, early thirties, yeah. active crowd, mm-hmm. you know, lots of hiking trails. But nothing that was really going to grab families and want to keep them there. We we started off with um, building a rock climbing wall, nice, and opening up paintball fields, and that did really well. And after about two years, I decided I'm going to try to push opening up an aerial venture course here. So I got all the information together and got the quotes from the builders and took it to the board of directors, and they gave me the okay. So we built an aerial venture park there. And once that was up and running, I hired. One of the guides who used to work with me at the Whitewater Rafting Company, Chris Sherry. Uh, Chris actually came on as a um, ski instructor mm-hmm. and then stayed over into the next season when we opened up the Area Adventure Course. He was one of the first guides to go through guide training for the Area Adventure Course. And um, then I promoted him up to be my assistant manager at the Adventure Center. That's what we kind of called that area was uh-huh. the Adventure Center. So as I got promoted up through the company, Chris kind of got promoted up behind me. Yeah. So when I left the Adventure Center and, and became the d- director of recreation, I had picked up a couple of additional uh, departments. Chris got promoted into the Adventure Center manager position. And then I got promoted up into the executive committee. And Chris got promoted into a new position at guest service manager. So we both found ourselves going from being in the outdoors, rock climbing and aerial venture and playing paintball and skiing and hanging out at the lakes to being in the resort itself and shirts and ties and oh. <laughs> working in an office. So I'm, you know, now I'm behind a desk and I'm the director of recreation and I'm not really spending a whole lot of time doing any kind of recreation you stuff. You climbed the ladder, but. It, it climbed the ladder and it's, it's definitely one of those, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it kind of right. stories. And, you know, all along I was thinking, man, it would be great to be part of the executive committee for this resort. And then I got up there and. It just keeps you from doing all the things you loved. So yeah. uh, Chris and I, over the years, we always joked around about if we could just pick the whole the aerial venture up and move it south, it would be great because, you know, aerial ventures in northeastern PA, we get a lot of snow. And we would have people do it in the snow. We would have people who oh, would ski would. in the morning and then do the aerial venture in the afternoon. And it was great, but, you know, my knees were getting bad and I had less and less interest in, in being out in the cold once I got mm-hmm. to the point where I couldn't ski anymore. You know, so we started kicking around the idea of of moving it all south, and uh, kind of started out as a joke. As years would go by, it was we were joking about it less and less. And <laughs> then one um, one fall, we came down to the area. We came down to the Oak Island area with our girlfriends and rode around checking out places. And everybody thought, "Yeah, we could all live down here. This is good." 
on both the, you and Chris's family. Yep. We all came down here together. Yeah, all four of us. Just know, visiting Oak Island. Just visiting Oak Island, hanging out on the beach, brought our motorcycles down with us and rode around and did mm-hmm. some riding. And everybody kind of thought, yeah, we can we can live in this area. So then we started talking about it in more seriousness. So we started looking for land and we had a great realtor down in the area. Her name mm-hmm. is Kathy Greer. Uh, she works out of the, the Carolina Beach, Wilmington area. I would call Kathy and email Kathy with all these crazy properties I found, and she would go check them out. And she did a lot of the legwork for us, ruled out a lot of the property, because a lot of it was how good are the trees, you know, and the quality of the trees. Oh, because, yeah, you're going to be working up in those right, trees. Okay, right. So yeah. we, needed, we needed property with good Tall, trees big, and good mature. solid trees. And we're in the coastal Carolina area, the coast, that coastal plain where yeah. beautiful areas, but there are some areas where there's just not a lot of great trees. So she found a couple of properties for us, and and uh, we all came back down. All four of us came back down to check out these properties, and we did some walking around in the woods. And uh, funny enough, she showed us one property that was perfect, except there was too much water on the property. It was just a lot of a lot of standing water, and we were like, "Man, this this one would be great if it wasn't for all this water." Yeah. And the folks who owned that property, they had their real estate agent there as well, and he said. You know, they own property on the other side of the road here. If you want to take a look at it, it's not really for sale, but let's go take a look. And we got over there and realized this is the spot. Oh, really? So he said, I can talk to them to see if they'd be interested in selling some of it. So we put a bid on on, on 25-ish acres. Mm-hmm. We gave our, our price to Kathy, what we thought would be good. And we went did our normal going back and forth. But just on the drive home back to Pennsylvania, we had settled on a price and- then it became very real at that point. We're like, all right, we just put a bid in on some land. So now what? <laughs> so, oh, they hadn't gotten back to you yet. You just told them this is what we'll pay. Right. And right. then you on the drive back. Yeah. And okay. they, they accepted our offer. Really? Like and, right uh, away? Pretty pretty much right away. Within a few hours, they yeah. accepted our offer. So uh, then it was just a matter of, of coordinating with everybody when we were going to be able to pick up and, and move down here. Wow. Luckily for both Chris and myself, we had we had girlfriends who now are wives uh, that have very good careers. So it allowed us to kind of pick up our lives and come down here. And mm-hmm. you know, it was a solid year once we got down here before we can get everything built and and opened up. Once we got the ball moving, it was uh, it was quite an adventure. Hey, if you thought it couldn't get any better than Saltwater Suites, well, I have some exciting news. I am thrilled to announce the grand opening of the new Saltwater Resort this May in the heart of Surf City, North Carolina. Saltwater Resort will absolutely redefine hospitality, creating a truly elevated vacation experience. All 24 suites offer opulent bedding, full-size washers and dryers, and well-appointed kitchens equipped with dining tables and dishwashers. And now you can relax and enjoy their beautiful saltwater pool. Are you ready to elevate your next Topsail adventure? Reserve your stay at saltwatertopsail.com or call 910-886-4818. Saltwater Resort, where luxury meets the waves and every moment is a celebration. Hey, insiders, if you haven't tried Surf City Line, what are you waiting for? Chef Jay has created amazing made from scratch beach and bowls, delicious peel and eat shrimp by the pound, wings, salads, and more. And they have a wonderful multi-level deck for listening to live music, soaking up the sun, and enjoying food, drinks, and some of the best service on Topsail Island. Follow Surf City Line on Facebook and Instagram, where you'll find their lineup for all of their live entertainment. Feel like walking off that delicious food before heading home? Well, take their walkway right to the ocean for a quick stroll on the beach. They have plenty of parking right next to the restaurant and a large lot across the street. They're located at 2112 North New River Drive, where Surf City meets North Topsail. I'll see you at Surf City Line. (laughs) 
so getting that course set up, what are some of the challenges that you ran into while designing it or set getting it built? Uh, the biggest challenge we had was that nobody had ever built one in the area the way our builders build. So we're very lucky. Uh, we're the only aerial venture in coastal Carolina that is built entirely in the trees. We didn't have to build any towers out of dimensional lumber. We didn't have to sink any telephone poles. Oh, Everything we do is in the trees. Wow. So that was okay. a challenge for our our county building inspectors who yeah. had never, you know, we're in Columbus County, so they had never experienced anything like this. They had never seen anything like this. So there was a lot of challenges getting that kind of push like, through. Did you have to get permitting for? Right. We had to get permitting, uh, but they didn't know what kind of permits we needed because they're like, well, you're not building a house. Yeah. There's no electricity in the tree, you know, so. There was no were, rule book. For right. They were, they were struggling <laughs> to find out what kind of permitting they could charge us for. Yeah. Really. And then when they came out to inspect it, there the one inspector was an older gentleman. He looked up and goes, I'm not going up there to inspect it. So he had to get a younger guy out there to go out and check it out. And, you know, so it was, that was one of the challenges. The other challenge was we had, our, we originally had a build date to start in September. Our builder had just finished a, a course down in Tampa, Florida area, and mm -hmm. they were going to come right to us and start in September. So they built down in Tampa over the summer and uh, they had got hit with a hurricane like a couple of weeks after they opened the course up. Mm -hmm. So our builder, one of the things that they do is, oh. you know, emergency repairs always come before new builds. Yeah. So to get the park back up. And so then that delayed our build. So what was supposed to start in September didn't start until January. So they literally built it in Tampa and then a hurricane mm -hmm. and before they could even leave Tampa. They were gone for a couple of weeks, but oh, really? it, it came through and, yeah. and did some damage. So wow. That's kind of the nature of, of living in the South, right? Yep. We, we get some hurricanes sometimes. We do. How often do you have to replace the equipment and the safety gear up in the trees and just what we wear on our bodies? So most of our equipment has a lifespan of five years. There are some specific pieces of rescue equipment that our guides use that if they're used for in a certain fashion, they have to be replaced faster. But we try not to use them in that in that fashion. Basically, it's it's something called a fall factor. So with certain pieces of equipment, if if somebody is climbing and they fall and the equipment catches them, it puts enough stress on it that for safety oh. reasons, you'll want to replace those those lanyards. They've uh, been stretched to their limit. Right. Basically. Not that they're they're really unsafe, but it's it's being sure that they are. An abundance of caution. <laughs> Absolutely abundance of caution. In our business, that's uh that's pretty important. Yeah, of course. Outside of the gear, are there any safety measures and training that take place there? So one of the things that we're really proud of is that we have what's called an auto belay system. So all of our guests are in Petzl climbing harnesses, and then there are two lanyards that come off that are called clickets. And basically the way they're designed to kind of simplify it, you have these two lanyards and once they clip onto to the steel cable, they have a little trigger mechanism on each handle. And once you pull the trigger on one and disconnect one, the other one locks shut. Oh. So that prevents it. Even if you pull the trigger, you can pull it as hard as you want. It's not going to come undone from the lifeline until the, the first one other, is clipped back yeah. into something steel. So you can't even like... You can't fool it with your finger or with a stick or anything yeah. like that. It's got to clip back into steel. The industry standard is just regular two regular carabiners. And when we first opened the park up in Pennsylvania, that's what we were using with two steel carabiners. And, you know, you would hear people click, click. And then as they would get good at it, they would start unclipping faster and faster yeah. until you'd eventually see them standing up on the platform with, with a carabiner in each hand. And, and, the and they guides don't even are having, realize it. Right. They don't even oh. realize it because they're getting so comfortable with the equipment. Yeah. And the guides are having heart attacks and you spend a lot of time yelling at guests to, you know, make sure you clip back in, clip mm -hmm. back in. And, and it, it just had this feel like you were, you were constantly being this taskmaster. Yeah. So when we got the, the opportunity to do our own park, we spent the extra money on, on the Smart Belay system. And now our guides get to spend a lot of time just kind of coaching and having good personalities with the guest. So this is not like a desk job. You don't get to come in and sit back and relax. You're responsible for someone's safety. So how do you find your your guides and how do you train them? And how long do you train them before you let them loose? So a lot of our guides come from guests. So we have guests who go through and they'll, they'll come back and they'll say, man, we really enjoyed that. If you're ever hiring, let <gasps> us know. Oh, 
Oh, that's um, great. That those are our best. We you know we love we love hearing those. And we also do some advertising on Facebook or mm-hmm. on Indeed. And and really for our guides, our our target doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who's got a lot of experience with climbing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Or we want people to have great personalities. We can train people to use equipment. We could train them how to do all the rescues. We could train them what to do to to help guests out, how to coach, how to do memorize the demo speech. You can't train personality. So if they yeah. don't have a people personality, if they're not wanting to go out there with the with their group and have fun and um, get paid to do what everybody else is paying to do, you, you just can't train that. That's something that they either have in them or they, or that they don't have in them. And you get that general feeling like in the interview process? We do. The first thing we do for the interview is we talk to them for a couple of minutes, but then we send them out on the course and see, because if they, they don't have to be great at the course at first, but they have to be able to do, to do it. They can't be afraid of heights and they've got to be able to do all parts of the course. And then one, not only do all parts of the course, but then you know, we always refer to it as rescues, but that's really kind of misleading because we don't get a lot of rescues. What we do get is a lot of assists where people will hit their limit. They'll say, you know, I'm done. I don't want to go any further. You know, can you get me down? And we can lower people from anywhere on the course. Okay. True rescues are when somebody is, they just can't go any further. They can't assist in any way. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very rare for us to get mm-hmm. to get that. Uh, and one of the reasons it's rare is our, we spend a lot of time with our guides, training them to be up in the trees with the guests, interacting with the guests, or guiding from certain points on the course where they're already up in the trees. So they can do a lot of coaching encouragement, a little advice on how to get through so they can get the guests to a point where they either finish the course or finish at least that element and get to a platform where we can lower them to the mm-hmm. ground a lot more comfortably. So anywhere on the course, though, people can get can get lowered. We've had people lowered on the demo course, <laughs> and, <laughs> and we've had people lowered at the beginning of the beginner course, mm-hmm. and we've had people lowered almost at the end of the black course. They were almost at the oh, end wow. of the... Yeah, their their tank hit empty, and they just they just couldn't finish it. <laughs> okay, uh, our guides we spend training really doesn't take that long because we concentrate really a whole lot of our time on on how to actually do the assists and do the rescues. Mm-hmm. And we have a big training manual. We send that to the guides beforehand. We count on them being adults and read, you know, about all the equipment and the nomenclature of it. So most of our time is spent working with ropes, tying knots, learning the the equipment, learning the rescue equipment and the various lowers. Usually if we have a decent size training class, we can get it knocked out in four days, Mm -hmm. but it's four long days, Yeah, four very long physical days. Uh, What we find sometimes is the trainees kind of hit their limit, just like when you have kids in school too long, right? So they're kind of checking out a little bit. And so we'll just call it for the day. And sometimes it extends training a little bit, but you know, it's one of those things you have to have their focus. And our guides, I give them a lot of credit because they, you know, the, They've got to be ready to go out on that on that zip line or out on that wire at any point to get somebody safely, mm-hmm. safely lowered to the ground. Well, I am curious, now that we're talking about lowering them, how do you lower them? Our guides have some climbing equipment that they carry that the guests don't carry that's mm-hmm. that's designed for specifically for that purpose. So once they, they get their climbing rope, they hook into the guest's harness, and then they have a device called an ID that kind of manages the rope for them. Right. Oh. It, it allows the rope only to travel in one direction, okay. so they don't really have to worry about balancing out the weight, and that ID gets clipped into the lifeline. So the course is doing a lot of the work for us, but where it really becomes a challenge is, and it doesn't happen to us very often, luckily, but if somebody gets to the point where they're completely, they're just completely spent, they can't even stand up, they're just hanging in the harness, mm-hmm. they've used every bit of energy, they can't, we have to be able to lift them up enough to disconnect their safety lines and oh, lower them yeah. to the ground. Mm-hmm. So where we have that 275 kind of that we say is is a comfort level, we've had some guides out there who have been relatively small females, weigh 110, 115 pounds, mm-hmm. and they have to be able to figure out a way of lifting 275, mm-hmm. standing on a little tiny cable. So we have equipment that allows them to use a little bit of mechanical advantage, set up a Good. three-to-one system. And then once they learn how to use that, it's it's great to see little 110 pound, yeah. 115 pound guides lifting up people that weigh two times as much as them. It's always fun to see guests say, "Oh, that that guy would never be able to lift me up." We always kind of laugh about it. Like hey, our, our our training gets pretty <laughs> intense. We um, one of our guides gets to play our victim, and he always shows up 
with a, a backpack and he throws some extra weights in the backpack yeah. when he goes out there to be the Smart. victim. And he's a screamer. And uh, <laughs> he's gotten so loud where one of the neighbors called the fire department one day and the fire department showed up because he was yelling help so loud. They thought somebody was really stuck up on the course. And, uh, but he, he, does, funny. he does a great job of, um, he does a great job of being a victim for training. <laughs> That's great. Let's talk about the aerial adventure for 10 years old and up. Our aerial adventure for 10 years old and up is kind of, there's two different options. There's the half course, which will include the safety demo, our green and blue course, and our 650 foot zip line. And then people in the half course can do as much of that as they want. Or our full course, which includes the safety demo, green and blue, but also our red and black course, our, our most difficult course, and the 650 foot zip line. Everything is challenged by choice, so we we don't force people to keep going. You know, if they hit their limit, they hit their limit. We try to encourage them to keep going, but once they decide that they're done, we can get them you know to the ground safely. Our half course takes about two and a half hours on average to do, and our full course takes about four hours to do. Okay, and pricing? Pricing for the half course is fifty dollars per person, and the full course depending on if you go in the morning or in the afternoon, is 60 in the morning, 65 in the afternoons. Uh, our kids' course is a two-hour session. They get to do as many laps as they can in that two hours, mm -hmm. and that's $30 for two hours. We do have a two-child minimum, and the reason we do that is with what we pay our guides. If we did less, if we just did one kid out there, we would be operating in the negatives. You really would. Yeah. We, we, I was about to say, that's a really good deal. It, yeah. it is a very good deal. and um, I think that's very affordable for what you get for two hours of that adventure. Sure, yeah. Sure. And even even the full course at, at 65, you're out there for four hours. I mean, yeah. there's not a lot you can go do that it's family friendly where you're out there for four hours with a guide and a, and a small group where you get to spend that kind of time in the woods. Yeah. Uh, our group maximums for... The adult aerial venture is 16 people. We try not to let the group get any bigger than 16. For our kids' course, we not, try not to let it get any bigger than eight. Let's talk about your paintball. So our paintball course is a two-hour session. It is $30 per person and includes all of your rental equipment, unlimited air. We use compressed air out there. Okay. Unlimited air and 100 paintballs include your referee. And then people can buy additional paint as they play. Okay. So we always get asked how long do 100 paintballs last, and it really depends on the person. We've seen some people who are kind of timid, never played before, go out there with 100 rounds, and they don't do a lot of shooting. And then we've seen those, fit, <laughs> yeah, those 10, 11, 12-year-old <laughs> boys like who spend a lot up. of time playing Call of Duty <laughs> on Xbox, and they'll go through 100 in the first, the first game. We sell the additional paint on the field, and uh, as long as they have a credit card on file with this, they can... Get as, as many much refills paint as they, as they want. want. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. But with, with kids, we always have make sure the parents are aware of that beforehand and yeah. find out if they want to set up a cap on it. Because sometimes the parents aren't really paying attention. They're they're kind of hanging out on the picnic tables. The kids mm -hmm. are playing paintball. And they just say, yeah, you know, let, them, let them refill. Well, if we let them refill it as often as they wanted to, they could be rolling out of there with <laughs> three or four cases, which is great for us. But right. then the parent has a surprise on their credit card yeah. at the end of the day. So we usually try to talk to them beforehand and say, hey, what do you want to limit them yeah. to? And speaking of limits, how many people do you allow on that field all uh, at once? We usually try to keep it to 20 or less. And we have a minimum of six with that because you know, less than six doesn't make for a good game. And more than right. 20 on that field, that starts to feel a little crowded. So we sure. still want that that feeling like there's a lot of of uh, bunkers to hide behind, a lot of trees to hide behind. You can you can crawl around, you know, great places to to get cover and great places to go for a run and grab the flag. And if it gets too big, it becomes a little less fun. And if it's too small, it's definitely a lot less fun. Yeah. You do offer where some people can come and, and do both, your aerial course and paintball all in the same day. Tell all me the about same that. Day. We do have that bundled together. That is great to do one part of it in the morning, one part in the afternoon. We usually suggest doing the course in the morning and then in the afternoon do paint or we carry it to the group. Okay. You know, it's just that sometimes if they play paint in the morning, they get pretty hot and sweaty and tired and then mm -hmm. they get out on the course and- They're spent already. Yeah, yeah they're already mm -hmm. spent. So it, it really depends on on the group, what they want to do and what their main focus is. We set that up with a little bit of discounted pricing and that that depends on the number of people that they're going to have that discount is. That's one of those okay. things that- we try to make it 
so that almost all of our adventures can be booked without having to make a phone call mm-hmm. or without having to email. But that's one of the things where it's it's always best to call. Just do it all online on your website? Absolutely. Okay. And talking about your groups. So you did, you already mentioned church groups, corporate team building, I think would be so much fun to be able to do this with my office mates. The USO, the Wounded Warriors you spoke of. Yes, ma'am. We've done a lot of military groups mm-hmm. and look forward to doing more. Over the last few summers, our, our camps that come out have grown quite a bit. We have YMCA camps as well mm-hmm. as some municipal camps, uh, some church camps, church youth groups, Boy Scout troops, Girl Scout troops. Right, we yeah. Do, we do team building out there with corporate groups. We've had birthday parties out there, bachelor parties, bachelorette parties. Homeschoolers and class field trips? Homeschoolers and class field trips. Homeschooler groups, if you're a homeschooler family and you can get 10 people together, give us a call and we'll set you up with an exclusive group. It's really important for the homeschoolers too because it gives them the the social element that sometimes they don't always get Mm -hmm. in a homeschool environment. Yeah. And and not just meeting other kids, but meeting other kids that are also being homeschooled. Mm -hmm. And, And that's where we've seen with the homeschool groups where they found it to be important is they wanted it to just be exclusive to their homeschooling groups. You mentioned picnic tables, but let's say I want to have a birthday party there. Are we allowed to bring in our own food and just Absolutely. stay there for the party? You can bring in your own food. We have a refrigerator in the office. Anything that needs to be cold can kept in there. You can roll okay. in coolers. If you want to bring out a barbecue grill and, and cook, that's fine. Okay. Uh, there's a Domino's pizza not too far from where we are. You oh. can order pizza. You can do whatever you want. Anything we ask is that no alcohol before no alcohol. people go out on the courses. And uh, you mentioned that there is a discount after 10 people. And I think you also mentioned there's a military discount, right? right? We, we do a military discount for anyone who is in the military or uh, has a veteran ID. And that discount, we, we're pretty strict about it because we've had some people who have asked for a military or a military discount and um, we've given it to them and then they show up and you look at them and you say, you're, you guys aren't in the military. You have your military ID with you? No, we forgot it. So now we just ask if anybody wants the military discount, we give them the, the promo code for it. When you sh- when you check in, just show us your military show ID your or your veteran ID. No big deal. It doesn't have to be everybody in the group. It just has to be the person who booked it, and that's fine. And then for, for groups, if you have a group of 10 or more, we do offer a 10% discount. If you have a group of 20 or more, we do a 20% discount. That's great. And mm. for, for groups... That's the only other time it's best to call us first is, okay. you know, if you have a group of 10 or, or 15 or 20, it's always good to, to give us a call because we can make it kind of an exclusive group for you yeah. and not necessarily, necessarily have you in with a group that's open to the public. But the only way we can do that and, and still give you, the, give you the discount is if we kind of know about it ahead of time and you call us and say, hey, we, we have 10 people. Yeah. How far ahead of time would you would you need this information? You know, it's really odd. The last couple of years, we've noticed the buy cycle is getting shorter and shorter. And, and we seem to do most of our bookings on Wednesday, Thursdays, and Fridays oh, really? now for the weekend, uh-huh. where it used to be, you know, a week out, sometimes a week and a half, sometimes two weeks out. Yeah. Now, the people who are booking two weeks or more out, they're always very prepared for everything and they, they're never disappointed with, mm-hmm. you know, there's no availability left or I don't have yeah. the, the time that I want. So it's it's always best to book as far out as you can, but we understand people want to check the weather and, you know, especially here in the summertime, right? Keep an eye on the heat or keep an eye on when the rainstorms are going to be. Uh, we always get asked, you know, are, you, are we going to get rain? Our, our forecast is the same day in, day out, right? It's chance of thunderstorm. And uh, we go out rain or shine. The only time I was we gonna ask, don't yeah. go out is if we have thunder and lightning. lightning. So if we're out on the course and a thunderstorm rolls in, we have the ability to lower people anywhere on the course, just like with a with a rescue and an assist. If the storm moves in fast enough, we just lower everybody from where they are. Mm-hmm. If we have notice, we watch a couple of different apps. We track the lightning. We watch the storms. If we have enough notice, we'll get people to the point where they're getting down off of one course, and then we'll get them back to the building. Mm-hmm. And if it looks like it's going to be a fast mover, we just let everybody ride it ride out. Ride it out. Yeah. Or if you know if they've gotten almost all the way through black and we have to lower them, we just say, hey, you know, it's, it's just kind of what happens sometimes, yeah. you know. Mm. But otherwise, we'll do a rain check for people. But most of the time this summer, I think we had one or two days where we had to, to evacuate the course because there was thunder and lightning coming in. And, yeah. And uh, rode it out, and then everybody leaves. But when it rains a little bit during the summer here on the course, it's really kind of cool. It's, it it's feels pretty good, refreshing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Regardless of whether you're open year round, we are open year round. This time of year, we we kind of roll into our 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday schedule. You know, because mm-hmm. a lot of kids are back and the kids oh, are all yeah. back in yeah, school, yeah. and there's not as many tourists down vacationing. But if you have a group of four or five or more, and you want to come out and do it on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, all you got to do is give us a call, and we'll open up for you. Nice. Okay. We spoke about the challenges of getting the courses built when you first got here. But what are what about your ongoing challenges? What do you face? Two of the biggest things that we face really is, you know, the insurance industry itself mm. is constantly increasing rates. So our, our insurance rates are always going up regardless of whether there's, you know, any kind of a, a claim or anything. Every year it goes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our biggest challenge really is, is that, you know, we're in the South and we get hurricanes. Our course is built entirely in the trees. And more times than not, we're we're good, we're safe. We did have to do a rebuild twice. We had to do a rebuild when Hurricane Florence came through. And it wasn't so much the wind itself that did damage to the course, but it was that constant rain and everything was soaked. And then when the winds hit, they were just knocking trees over at the root ball. Oh, yeah. You know, so it wasn't even mm-hmm. like the trees were breaking or anything. They were just coming up, rooting up from the ground. And that's why when we joke with people and say, you'll tear the trees out of the ground before you'll break the zip lines. That's mm-hmm. exactly what happened. We had on our, our red course, we had four or five trees that came out of the ground and fell over and they were still connected by the lifelines <laughs> and they never fell all the way. The lifelines were holding wow. them up. And the dangerous part with that is now you have all that weight and all that tension on those steel cables mm-hmm. and you can't just you know cut those steel cables when you have that kind of tension. You'll oh, kill somebody. Yeah. So we had to call in a special crew from Northwestern Pennsylvania, right on Lake Erie, who specializes in that kind of, so they had to mobilize and bring all their cranes and their equipment down to lift the trees and bring our builders back so that once they lifted the trees and took the tension off the, the wire, our, our builders could get in there and make the cuts. And mm-hmm. and our builders aren't, you know, it's not just some guy from around the corner who builds these kind of courses, right? Our builder, most of those folks were based out of France and Canada. And so getting them back required visas and wow. setting up a place for them to okay. live. And, and they, yeah. what they do is they travel around the world building these courses. When people come out to tour the park, I always I always love to show them this, the way our course is built. So our, our builders, when they build it, they're not coming in with heavy equipment and building it. They're they're running ropes up the trees and they're going up the trees on ascenders, which are it's a piece of equipment that allows the rope to just travel in one direction. So they're not using spikes like you see on lumberjack contests or or anything like that. They're going up and working off of ropes and doing all the building off of ropes. Mm-hmm. And so they have to have really good carpentry skills, but they also have to be really good climbers. So they're they're not rolling in scissor lifts or you know high lifts or anything like mm-hmm. that because they don't want to do any damage to the roots of the trees, you know, through compaction. So when we have repairs that need to be made, it's not like we can just call some guy from around the corner. You can't do a build yourself because if you do a build yourself, you'll never get insurance on it. So yeah. you know, there's there's some approved builders out there that you can use. And, and it's a redesign because sure. you're tearing down the trees that were once the part of the, right. the original design. Right. Those trees are gone now. Now you have to reroute things. Like right. I you imagine can't just it's a pick huge up everything. process. It is. You can't just pick everything up off of the tree that it was originally on and move it to another yeah. tree because that cable is cut for a certain distance yeah. and the element is designed for a certain distance. And then the way our, our course is built, we don't have anything really invasive into the trees. So we're not running giant spikes into the trees to hold the platforms up. Everything is done through compression. Uh, the upside for us is that as the tree grows, we can loosen up the compression a little bit so that the, uh, the platform is still allowing the tree to grow and not grow mm. around it, right? Everybody's seen trees where, you know, the fence has grown into the tree yeah. and how funny that looks. Well, you, the same thing could happen on a course like ours if you don't have a way of loosening up that compression mm-hmm. system. But the other thing that people don't really think about is that sometimes trees shrink. You go through a drought, trees like loblolly pines. Really? Absolutely. Trees like loblolly pines will start to shrink in diameter a little bit as the water. I had no idea. <laughs> so we can we can tighten our we can tighten our platforms up using okay. that same kind of compression system. And and again, it, without driving big spikes or, or lag bolts into the trees. How is it watching people meet and overcome their fears? It's a pretty amazing feeling. And it's for Chris and myself, I think it's it's one of the main reasons that we decided to do this. You know, we could have, we could have done any kind of business. And, and Chris tells that to the guides all the time during training. We could have opened up anything. We could have opened up a bar. We we really love seeing people come out and, and enjoy themselves. But really, seeing the transitions when somebody comes in and says, "Hey, I'm afraid of heights. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through this," and then suddenly they finish the course. 
or I'm I'm 55 years old, I'm 60 years old, and I, I'm recovering from cancer, and I've never done anything like, and this is on my bucket list. And I, wow. if I can just finish green, I'll be happy. And they make it all the way through, or they'll make it through blue and and come out. Or you know, having the wounded warrior groups come out and seeing seeing how much those folks come out of their shells, and that you know, that's a special place for me right there. With, yeah, but uh, having having folks come out and just be able to be themselves. You know, the wounded warrior groups really do a great job. Military vets a lot of times kind of keep things closed in when they're around people who aren't their own, you know, mm-hmm. people who are civilians and they never really kind of open up completely, but you get them back out there with other vets yeah. who've been through the other thing or the same things they've been through. And it's, uh, it's, it's a different world for them. Yeah, it, it's great to see it. Mm-hmm. It's great to see it. And, it. and even, you know, small kids who get up there and it, the first time they go through, they're struggling. And then the second time it clicks for them and then they're, they're racing through it or, you know, you have times where the, Kids start off in tears and then they get down and all they want to do is go do it again. And the same thing with, with adults. I mean, we've had adults in tears, you know, didn't want to do it, scared, and then they've had a great time. Along that same vein, do you have any memorable moments with your customers that really stand out to you that you could share with us? There's some memorable moments. We've had um, some guests that we've been able to take up on a more one-on-one experience, like nonverbal autistics. We've had a blind gentleman that we were able to take up. We've had double amputees really? that we've been able to take up. And those are all great times, you know. And then we have some not so great memories too. You know, sometimes the guests get themselves so worked up. I mean, we've been thrown up on and, and things like that. <laughs> oh, I'm you know? sorry. It, those kind of things happen too, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it, it all makes for great stories yeah. and it's and it's a lot of fun. You know, our biggest thing really is watching because we try to make it as much experiential education as possible. So Letting people go out there and, and hit their own limit and break through their own limit will provide as much coaching as they need, but really we we want it to be all about them. So mm-hmm. when they come back and they're like, man, I, that's the best thing I've ever done. I, I never thought I would be able to do something like that. I can't wait to come back. I can't wait to tell everybody. And what I usually tell them is now that you've done it, don't tell anybody you did it. Get some friends together and bring them out and act like you've you never been like here a before. Rock star. Yeah, you go through, you rock star. And you're like, what's taking you guys so long with? That's hilarious. I just um, I just uh, remembered seeing this on your website. You offer pictures? We do. We Our guides are up there taking pictures the okay. whole time. It's a physical event, right? So sometimes the pictures are great and sometimes they're not so flattering. Yeah. And the guide can only work with what they can work with. So if, yeah. if somebody's a hot, sweaty mess, the pictures are going to look like a hot, sweaty mess. But you know, we usually tell people, hey, if you, if you notice the guide is taking pictures, at least kind of look in their direction and yeah. smile. Some people don't want to have their pictures taken and that's okay. But most people enjoy having their pictures taken, and and we try to get them in in some of the better, more fun locations mm-hmm. like our Tarzan swing and the zip lines. Nice. Earlier, you mentioned about the Baca group. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So one of the groups that that has come out for a couple of years are Bikers Against Child Abuse, and they have a certain time of year where they have their kids party, and they bring the kids who who are involved with the their organization out to spend the day there. And anyone who's not familiar with Bikers Against Child Abuse, it's a great organization. They do a lot of great work for kids who are in the system who have been abused, whether it's physical abuse or sexual abuse. And, mm-hmm. and they are they are the absolute roadblock to the, the person who has perpetrated those crimes mm-hmm. coming back and interfering with that child again. I mean, they take them under their wing and they treat them like they're their own. Bless and, them, I declare. And if you ever get to see those folks and see how they interact with the kids. It's amazing. And mm-hmm. they are just amazing people. They give me the goose the goosebumps every time I see them. Be sure to them. tell them I want to interview them. I sure I would will. love to talk to them. I sure will. I, will. I will absolutely pass it along. So they bring the kids out to Cape Fearless Extreme? They bring the kids out to Cape Fearless Extreme. They let the families come out too. And a lot of these kids are in, in financial situations where they would never get to do something like this. Mm-hmm. You know, So they, they bring them out and their families and they get to go out there and and have a great time. And and we've seen a lot of um, really positive improvements in the kids just from the short time we've seen them. But I've mm-hmm. had some of the, the members of Baca come up afterwards and say, you know, we just saw this kid. He, he's always been in his shell or she's always been in her shell. She doesn't want to talk to anybody. Got up on the course and they're like a totally different person now. And and to me, that's just amazing that the transformation can that happen. Melts that melts my heart. Yeah. 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 It, it's just amazing people. I, I hope that, that you are able to do an interview with them because they are just a totally different breed of people and their mission is just so important. So I will important. I will definitely be reaching out to them. 
Ron, we're at the last part of this. It's called Final Thoughts. And I always like to ask my guest, what is the one thing that you really want the listeners to know about you or you and Chris or Cape Fearless Extreme? The biggest thing I, I would like to tell everybody about Cape Fearless Extreme is we are an extremely safe, family-friendly adventure. You'll make memories that will last a lifetime coming out to our park. Truly. We are open year-round. If you're somebody who doesn't like the heat, this is a great time of year to come out. Go on to our Facebook page, Cape Fearless Extreme, and you'll see lots of pictures. You'll see lots of videos. You'll get a really good idea of what we're all about if you've never been out there before. If you've been out before, we'd love to have people come back again. It's a tough time financially for a lot of people right now. You know, the economy is not doing so great. So we're going to do the entire month of October. If you get on our Facebook page, we're going to offer a discount code for 20% off for the entire month of October. Ron, anything, I love that. <laughs> anything people book, you know, we, we want people to get out there and be able to have fun. And, yeah. And, um, you know, life is tough everywhere right now. And it, it's just, it would be a great time to get everyone out in the woods Again, we're the only aerial adventure that's built entirely in the trees in the coastal Carolina area. Uh, we don't have any telephone poles. There are some other parks in the area that you know are built on telephone poles, and they're great parks. But mm-hmm. ours is a completely natural experience. You're in the woods. You don't hear anything but the sound of the forest. That's great. I can't wait to get back out there, actually. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about your location and contact information. Do you want to read that? Sure. So we are located at... 1571 Neal's Eddy Road in Regalwood, North Carolina, 28456. Our telephone number is 910-655-2555. Our website is capefearless.com. If you're looking for an email address, info, I-N-F-O, at capefearless.com. But the best place to get all the information and, and keep up with all of it is on our Facebook page. We also have Instagram, and we're just starting our TikTok page. We've Are been, you really? Uh, you're not going to see Chris and I doing TikTok dances. I can promise oh, you that. come on, Ron. Maybe, well, <laughs> I, I can't say I promise you that, but probably not. Probably not. But Facebook is really our, our big one. That's where okay. we put out our videos and we put out our discounts. And more times than not, at least once a month, we do a flash sale where we have some pretty discounted pricing for okay. people who want to kind of wait till that last minute. But for the month of October. For the month of October. Twenty percent off. Uh, yep, that's October first. There'll be a post that goes out with a, a promo code where everything will be twenty percent off for the month of October. All right. Well, that was it for us. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. And I want to just say thank you, Ron. You've been a pleasure to speak with. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And thank you for also being Topsail Insiders' very first episode in our Wilmington series. We're looking forward to seeing more of the the Wilmington series or hearing more of the Wilmington series. Mm-hmm. So we're excited to be here, and thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on Topsail Insider's Wilmington series. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the follow or subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you're a business owner looking to be featured or interested in sponsorship or advertising, or if you simply want to offer some feedback or make recommendations, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can email me at topsailinsider at gmail.com or call or text 910-800-0111. And be sure to find and follow Topsail Insider on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. So hey, let's do this again next week. I'll see you around Wilmington. Hey guys, it's Leah with Topsail Talk. I explore local businesses, services, people, and activities in Topsail and its surrounding areas, and I post videos about them. You can find and follow Topsail Talk on Facebook and Instagram. You'll never know where we're going to go, but if you try one of my stops, be sure to tell them Topsail Talk sent you.